Welcome back to Dateline New Haven and WNHHFM, your home for community radio. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. And boy, has police um, misconduct and accountability been an issue that's been ticking in New Haven for a long time. And it just might be coming to a head, at least if two of the guests in our studio to have anything to do with it. They are third-year Yale Law School's Chris, students, Chris Desir and Wally Hilke. And they have been working with people against police brutality. Tonight, Thursday night, they have a meeting at 6 o'clock at one of the churches in the Green. Which church is that? It's a United Church on the Green. United uh, Church on the Green. And, uh, and that's at 6 o'clock. Talking about their efforts and others in New Haven to move ahead with something that we've been promised we'd be getting for four years now, which is a civilian review board, a new version of it that has teeth, that has the power to have officers come and answer for their conduct in controversial situations and perhaps do something to do about it. Thanks for coming in, both of you. Thanks for making time in your schedules. Thanks for having us. Is, yeah, that, thank you. is the third year tough at Yale Law? Is that the hardest year or no? Is it you kind of get through that first year and then you're coasting doing all projects outside? Uh, it, it depends. It's, it's choose your own adventure. Okay. <laughs> so what about tonight? Tonight, if, am I wrong in assuming that the big part of tonight's event is going to focus on whether a civilian review board, if we create a new one in New Haven as required by a 2013 charter revision vote, that the big question on the table now is, will it have subpoena power? Will this review board be able to subpoena officers to answer questions? And that that's what's been holding it up and that you've done a lot of research, your group, into why, despite objections raised by other people, it's in fact a possibility. Yeah, so I think that is, unfortunately, the big <coughs> question, even though I think it was answered um, by Emma Jones and the Malik organization almost 20 years ago when they started this campaign <coughs> to get a civilian review board in New Haven. And the, the way that they designed that original board was to to work with the Board of Alders to use the Board of Alders' existing subpoena power on behalf of the Civilian Review Board. And somewhere along the line, this uh, proposal got misinterpreted um, and confused, and people thought what they were suggesting and then what we took up, took on and, and are now suggesting is a Civilian Review Board with its own independent subpoena <coughs> power, which, which there is a state law issue with something like that. Uh, our proposal doesn't create any new subpoena power it doesn't call for the board to have its own subpoena power it uses something that's already there in a way that uh there are no legal barriers to so 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 i think the issue's gotten a little confused around this around the issue of subpoena power and the idea is that the board of alders right has subpoena power president so you would have the president use that subpoena power in the context of this review board yeah, so the president of the Board of Alders, as well as the chair of each Alder committee, mm -hmm. has the power to subpoena testimony. And this is really clearly stated in the charter, and it's also supported by the state constitution. And yeah, our proposal calls for the board to assist the Civilian Review Board in its investigations by using that power. Do you have to be using that subpoena power in the context of a Board of Alders action, or are we going to have to call... Civilian Review Board, a committee of the Board of Alders in order to do that? I know we're getting the weeds here, but is that sort of what you have to do legally? Uh, no, you wouldn't have to do either of those things. The grant of subpoena power is very old and still valid, and it puts no specific limits on when and how the board of, the committee chairs can use that subpoena power. Uh, so whether they use it, uh, so you wouldn't need the civilian... But you can't subpoena someone to a party. You can't say we're having a fish fry and I subpoena 
the police chief to be there and answer my questions. Right. So there are, there are a couple of limits, and one of them is political. Just like uh, the chair of the engineering department might have information, they're not allowed to use that information for personal gain. But that's as much a political limit on political actors as it is a strictly legal limit. Um, but beyond that, a judge has to grant a subpoena for it to be valid. And uh, they have broad discretion in what they would have to do in how they choose to grant that power. Um, but so if someone were using it for something really outrageous, you would expect a judge to say, this is not appropriate. Uh, you think that this exercise, which would be about reviewing police misconduct, falls well within the in a public meeting. what the Board of Alders would do. Yes. In a government meeting, in a government building. Yeah, and, and so the, the, I mean, there's a couple options. One, one option is to have the Board of Alders president sit as a non-voting member on the Civilian Review Board. Another option is to have... Uh, the Board of Alders established kind of like a civilian review committee and to have that chairperson sit as a non-voting oh, member on the civilian review board. Okay, so so, it'd be so a that's the connection, yeah. Or establish it as a committee. So, you know, I was with Wally on a, uh, on a panel discussion at Yale a few weeks ago, the Yale Democrats, and there were some progressive Alders on that panel we were on. And I was surprised at something that happened. We were talking about the subpoena issue, and I did not hear them agree to pursue that they said well people have a lot of opinions on this about whether to have subpoena i kind of thought the whole like the whole reason we had a charter vision vote in 2013 was was promoted by the union affiliated majority of the board of alders including the members who were on our panel that night was that people felt that the old civilian review board didn't have any teeth it couldn't really investigate cases or hold cops accountable so basically if you're going to follow that vote you're going to have something that has subpoena power why do you think what are the politics what's going on here what am i missing as a reporter that i wasn't seeing people jumping to agree with this do you have any thoughts either you and the politics of this i mean I think, what's that coming from yeah i mean i think there's a couple things going on one of them is that the 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 like misinformation that was propagated about the subpoena power being like a legal impossibility and so, you know, a few years ago, people were talking about what we were asking for as illegal, which is, which is like really far from the truth. And another thing is, um, I, I think um, there's, so, so there's not many uh, civilian review boards around the country that are, are given this power to investigate cases thoroughly. And, and this is like a pretty well-established thing that in order to do investigations you need this power to subpoena documents and to subpoena testimony if need be and the, there are a few civilian review boards that do have it but the majority don't so i think it's a little bit of an uncharted territory thing that people might be where did you find i believe it was newark was one of them that does offer a model for what you want to do here yeah yeah newark's a, a strong model but i it's not just newark both big cities like chicago and new york city and small cities similar to New Haven size, like uh, Berkeley or Cincinnati. Everywhere we look, the boards that have the power to really do what they're accomplishing, trying to accomplish, have subpoena power, and they have investigators who go out and find facts in the field. Um, other boards that have tried to do it without either of those things, they don't work. They stop meeting. They stop getting money uh, because people aren't satisfied with the results. So Chicago, get. New York, Berkeley, Cincinnati, New York, they all have subpoena power all and staffs. That's correct. So you want to have subpoena power and you want to have investigative staff. Yeah, and then there's the third essential element that none of those boards actually have. And this is something that's like w when you're doing research onto the, when you're looking into the research on civilian review, something that those boards all lack is, is 
you know, a way to a way to make the findings of the board stick. So so what we're also suggesting is that the chief of police is uh, the factual findings of the board. The chief of police has to accept unless there's a really egregious error in those findings. And the chief of police and the uh, the board negotiate discipline guidelines at the outset. And then the the factual findings the chief accepts and then uh, meets out discipline in accordance with these pre-negotiated guidelines that do allow for, for discretion, but but they they also um, limit limit that discretion in a way that makes discipline more... Because uh, uh, they don't get discipline now. Cops yeah. are really... Yeah, I mean, there was the a pretty recent incident with an SRO who was, you know, That's accused school of... school resource officer. That was resource. Jeremy Elliott. Yeah, who was accused of sexually harassing a student and... More than one, and students and staff members. Yeah, and he is, he, I think he was suspended for 10 days and was removed from the school. So now he's a cop. I actually thought streets. that was the biggest example of discipline I saw. We had cases where they, <laughs> no, where their own investigation yeah. found they violated their own rules and taking camera and arresting our photographer at a scene... You had another high-ranking cop who threw his cell phone to the ground when someone was filming and then lied about it under oath. This, and a, a video evidence showed otherwise. Um, you said there were been a number of cases like that. There was a cop who, oh, I, in internal affairs, three or four times found him just abusing the rights of citizens, got maybe a total of one day. He left the force for another city, and then that, I mean, that town, the town found out what happened, wouldn't let him on. They took him back with open arms. So yeah. I, I thought Jerry Elliott, I thought that was the outlier. Inside. Yeah, I mean, he did get disciplined. But I mean, 10 day suspension for someone who's essentially a predator in a school. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's, I, I don't know of anyone who thinks that that was the right type of discipline for what he was, what, what he did. Yeah. Yeah. And just to stay on that for a minute, I, I was rereading the story about this case. And so this officer follows a girl at school to her workplace and then offers her right. a ride and then invites her to his home for a massage and yeah. then messages her and tells her not to tell anybody. It's not yeah. just a, a misconstrued comment. And so now, now what's happening with him? He's working on the streets and you know, as a patrol officer instead of working in a school. How much safer is the community with him still, still patrolling? Yeah. And uh, we're, we're talking about uh, police misconduct and how New Haven should address it with two Yale law students who are working with People Against Brutality to try to get a civilian review board with teeth in New Haven. They are Chris Desir and Wally Hilka. Um, what about the Board of Police Commissioners? We have a civilian Board of Police Commissioners that at the moment does not ever really hold these kind of hearings. It's simply people. I had spoken to Wally on that panel that in the 1970s, in fact, that board did use its subpoena power to blow open a massive illegal wiretapping scandal in New Haven. It led to the the um, firing of the police chief who then became the mayor. But uh, the... Uh, and, um, and they really carried out their mission. Now, the politics were such that a new mayor's team had come in. It was against the old team. So there was a, an incentive for that. So some people said, why not make the Board of Police Commissioners the Civilian Review Board, but just change the Board of Police Commissioners, how it's appointed and how its, how its role was seen? Well, I mean, the Board of Police Commissioners, its purpose is not to investigate misconduct necessarily. They, they work with... They have a lot of jobs. They have a lot of jobs. One of them is to like adjudicate disciplinary issues so so but they but they rely on other people's investigations and right now there's a gap in independent investigation independent so so there is internal affairs which serves a purpose which is internal accountability and internal investigation that's a different purpose than something that's an external accountability measure so asking internal affairs to do what we're needing in the civilian review board to do is like asking a hammer to be a screwdriver you just it's just not the right tool so so the 
the police commission would be made stronger by an external accountability mechanism like a civilian review board that would be able to do independent investigations and independently fact find and liaison with the public and provide the police commission with more information than they get now. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Wally, did you want to jump into that? Um, I don't think I have very much to add. I think it's worth noting that the charter requires a civilian review board. Uh, there is going to be a civilian review board. Everyone agrees there needs to be a civilian review board. And we've got this great opportunity to take what we know what works from every other city that has tried this. And the unfortunate thing about the proposal the Board of Alders brought last spring, which wouldn't be able to investigate, couldn't use subpoena power. Didn't so, fulfill what the voters asked. Didn't fulfill what the voters asked. Um, I think that for them to, and I haven't seen one example, and maybe there's one out there, but I don't think there is, of a board that has worked well and accomplished its goals that looks anything at all like the last the Civilian Review Board proposal that came out last spring. So when you talk about investigative staff, folks, you talked about having paid investigators. How many would you have? You'd have a director and paid investigators and a staff person. Like, how, how big would this office be? Yeah, that's what our draft propo- draft ordinance calls for, is two investigators who, you know, wouldn't necessarily be full-time staff, but could be contracted to do investigatory work, and then a director and a, some administrative staff. So how much total budget? So the current budget calls for 1.5% of the police department budget. Uh, today, that would be $600,000. Okay. Because, you know, we're about to tomorrow, on Friday, they're probably going to be announcing a big tax increase in New Haven this year. Mm-hmm. We've gotten slammed by state budget cuts. There are freezes on all department spending. Do you think you're going to be able to convince the Board of Alders to pony up $600,000? I don't know what the exact sum that it that is achievable. I think one thing that we've seen is there are no successful civilian review boards without a budget, without mm-hmm. staff. It doesn't work as a volunteer model. Uh, that was New Haven's old model. Uh, that's Hartford's model right now. And that board missed half its meetings last year. Right. In in Cincinnati, Cincinnati used to be the model of a great civilian review board. Investigators subpoena um, increased accountability. And then they started starving it. And so today it has two uh. investigators instead of the required five. And their executive director is actually out on the streets investigating cases because they've just stopped funding their staff. And so we need to start this conversation from the premise. So we can't have police accountability without paying for it. Right. I'm wondering how you're going to make that happen this year. Mm-hmm. I think what the conversation we'd like to have is we know we need enough funding to get this off the ground. What can we do this year if we can't get it all? Yeah. How can we get more next year? And how do we set something up so we don't become Cincinnati? And three years right. from now, it's not funded at the level that's necessary to bring police accountability to New Haven. Is there any kind of dedicated funding streams? Now, there are arguments against using dedicated funding streams. You know, often it's a way to get political support, but it's not a way to make something viable. For instance, you know, if you inspect landlords, you give landlords a fee on their permit to pay for that or a gas tax that pays for road repairs. Is there anything you could think of that might be a dedicated revenue stream for a $600,000 budget? You know, this is, it, it, it's funny because right now the the Board of Alders has presented a really insufficient proposal and then aside from that has done very little on this issue. So like the budget conversation is important, but we're not even there yet. What we know is that you can't have an effective civilian review board without it being funded. Right. The charter calls for, requires the city to have an effective civilian review board. Our draft proposal 
calls for one and a half percent of the police department's budget, which is a fraction of a percent of the city's budget. So we're talking right. about percentage wise, a tiny amount of money. And like, this is definitely a conversation that needs to be had. And we need our lawmakers to act on this and to do what lawmakers are supposed to do, which is, you know, find money to fund things that the city needs. Mm-hmm. Um, both because people ask for it and because it's in the charter. It's a requirement of the charter that the city have this board. So this is a, this is a important conversation to have, but it's, but it's one that we haven't even gotten to yet because we don't have, because the Board of Alders hasn't acted on the charter mandate as of 2013. And uh, so another issue has been whether the, the, the original proposal by the Board of Alders would have this agency sit within the Corporation Council's office, the City Lawyer's office, which made some of us think immediately, how is a group that defends the city against lawsuit going to independently investigate cases that can lead to lawsuits? How does your proposal address that? Yeah, so there, there were two independence problems with the Board of Alders proposal. First of all, it was never supposed to be independent. It's a complaint review board. So it, its only power was to review internal affairs investigations. So it actually didn't do any investigations. So if people don't have confidence in internal affairs, then right. there's no reason to have confidence in a board that can only review what internal affairs did. And then the second right. problem that you mentioned is that it relied on the city, the, the Corporation Council for staff and for um, legal advice, which is a conflict because this is the same group of lawyers who's supposed to defend the city against something like an excessive force claim. And mm-hmm. and this is what the something that the civilian review board would be investigating. So um yeah, our our board calls for complete independence or you know to the extent that that's possible given that this So is would this be a, be a standalone agency like the Commission on Equal Opportunities I and mean, what would it be? I mean, what are you proposing? So we got to we've um we were asked this question recently, and I don't know that we've found the fir- perfect place in the city's org chart to put it. I know in other cities, like in Chicago, what was important for the board was maintaining the right to seek its own legal counsel and to not be subservient right. to attorneys at the so city. So why can't it just be a standalone agency? I'm not sure there's any reason it can't be that. I think we would want to, when we get to that stage, talk about the different places it could be put. And as long as it's protected from being directed by other employees of the city, you're going to avoid the kind of independence problem that we're trying to avoid. Here. Okay, before I let you two go, I want to ask you, Wally Hilke and Krista Sear, how you got involved in this, why you're involved in work about police accountability, and whether you in your personal lives have either experienced or witnessed police misconduct. Chris, you said you grew up where again? I grew up in Hamden and Woodbridge, uh-huh. and uh, I've lived in New Haven since like 2011, and that's around the time that I got involved in, in this type <coughs> of work. And, well, a couple experiences really, like growing up in the suburbs, you, even being black in the suburbs, you just have a very different, the police have a very different relationship to the community than in uh, the city. And so, so one, one experience is I was biking down the street on Ferry Street and uh, this unmarked, this just regular car just swerved in front of my bike and stopped me. And before I could really like know what was happening, this enormous man was ripping me off my bike and uh he grabbed my arm and twisted it and so we're on the wow. sidewalk now he had he had like thrown me off my bike grabbed my arm and twisted wow. it and he was uniform but it wasn't a regular cop uniform and he didn't have a badge either and so he's twisting my arm and looking at me and, and like kind of like spitting these questions at me and i have no idea why this is happening like the, like i have absolutely no idea why this unmarked car just swerved in front of me this guy ripped me off and, and is now holding my arm in this little lock and then he starts asking me these questions and he starts searching me again with, with like no, no conversation, no nothing. This was, um, 
It's probably like four years ago. Did you know about having asked him what rights he had or what he was? Yeah, I mean, I, I asked him for his badge. He he laughed at me, and and also I was really scared that he was just gonna like beat me up. Like it it, yeah. it was. Like, so what happened? He searched me, found nothing, uh, refused to give me his badge number. Told me my license at that time said my my um, address at where i at my parents house which is in the suburbs and i think that actually completely changed the way he interacted with me once he saw that w- w- so he told me basically to go home and not be around here anymore and at that time i lived around the corner from where i was biking oh my god so w- was he a city cop he was a city cop i think he was part of like the street interdiction unit which oh my is, like, goodness this... but they're supposed to show a badge yeah he didn't even have a badge and he refused to, to give me his badge did you number. file a complaint no i didn't file a complaint do you wish you had <laughs> not really i mean I, like I, i've I've done a lot of research into internal affairs processes and, and like done a lot of foying of their records and i see what happens to complaints and so <laughs> i don't think anything would have come of it wow we had a question uh written in on the web from inner city connecticut any thoughts to a tri-city tri-town effort where you'd have to buy in funding from neighboring towns and cities would like to create a civilian review board i see some heads nodding any uh yeah, I mean, it sounds. I've never thought of it, so it's hard to comment. But it's it sounds like a good idea in some ways, especially given that Hamden and New Haven kind of the police kind of share a border um, in the Ville. So there's some like cross city issues there. Yeah, I think we know this is a statewide issue. Uh, some um, advocates for this were created a statewide d- database of police brutality with a lot of incidents and. We hope that New Haven can be a model for what works uh, to deal with the problem that's affecting all of Connecticut right now. And, and it quickly, Wally, uh, your experiences, how you got involved in this work or any experiences you've had with police? Sure. So I'm, I grew up in Minnesota originally, but lived most recently in Chicago. And Chicago is really a city where you see the links between how policing happens, segregation, um, racial inequality. And uh, when I moved to New Haven to start law school, I knew I wanted to be working on those issues. Uh, Chris asked me to get involved in the work a couple of years ago, and about a year later, another member of People Against Police Brutality asked me to start organizing Yale students to support the work, and they have, and um, they've helped uh, put on some of these events and build support. I think we have 650 signatures on the petition for the Malikal Civilian Review Board now. So, all right. um, And yeah, I think that's all. Let's I've remind people, 6 p.m., United Church on the Green Thursday, there's going to be a meeting of the LCLU, your daughter, LCLU, ACLU lawyer talking about your proposal. Is there a place people can go on the web to see your proposal? Yeah, it's nhvcrb.org. All right, that's easy to remember. Yep. And you'll see the proposal there. Yeah, you can, fi- you can find the proposal there and a lot of other information about what People Against Police Brutality has done. And, and after graduation, Chris said you're going to work, you said the public defender's offer in Baltimore. Yeah, the juvenile public defender's offer. Ooh. Yeah. I think it's going to be a good book out of that one. Did you read James Foreman's book about being a public defender in Washington? That blew my mind. No, I haven't read it. I highly recommend it. He's a Yale law professor, James Foreman Jr., but what he learned about criminal yeah. justice and doing that. What about uh, you, Wally? What are you doing in Chicago? So I'm uh, going to be moving back to Chicago to work on police accountability with a neighborhood organization in West Humble Park and help people file police complaints, but also advocate for fair treatment from the police in their neighborhood. All right. So 6 p.m., United Church on the Green, but there'll be a lot of opportunities in weeks ahead to advocate for a community or get involved in a debate about a civilian review board, nhvcrb.org. 
That's New Haven Civilian Review Board. I figured that out all by myself. <laughs> you get the information. Chris, to see her. Thanks a lot for having us. And Wally Hilka, thank you so much for coming on uh, Dateline New Haven and WNHH. Thanks Keep for in touch. Us let us know how it's going. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. Now we know what it's like to be free. We just got to remember to book our flight. Book your flight with us all day and all night long here at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio. Thank you.